The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Gotham City Gazette, a PapiChuloRadio.com original series. PapiChulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today on today is Monday, February fifteenth, twenty twenty-one, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's Batwoman. Please welcome my co-hosts, Professor X. Hello, Gotham. And Millie Wood. Hello, Gotham. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 2, Episode 4, which was titled Fair Skin, Blue Eyes, and aired February 14th, 2021, on Valentine's Day. Here's the official synopsis of the episode, not easily forgotten. As Batwoman attempts to fight the proliferation of snakebite through Gotham, a random encounter forces her to revisit her painful past. Empowered... By her new role, Ryan Wilder is determined to ensure others, like her, don't go unnoticed. Meanwhile, those closest to Kate are given a good reason to believe she is still alive, forcing unexpected alliances and betrayals. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 2, Episode 4. Batwoman was viewed by 507k total viewers with a point one in the demo. It slipped to hit and match series lows. Now, positive news is that it has been renewed by the CW. So, there is that. Alright, let's jump into this because a lot actually happened in this episode and and uh, a lot happened in particular we had a lot of um just development and plot progression with a couple of our characters and, and a couple of interesting reveals which i want to pick uh, both of your brains about but the first thing that i want to discuss is uh, we're going to dive deep into the main storyline with ryan what I thought was interesting about this episode was that, um, in essence, what this episode was, was a Black Lives Matter episode. But it didn't feel like, you know, how you how you would think of these, in essence, very special episodes and that sort of thing. Um, we've discussed on various other Arrowverse podcasts, because we cover the entire Arrowverse here on Poppy Chula Radio, um, how... Pretty much, if, if you're ever going to get an episode with a message, you either go the Supergirl route or the Black Lightning route. Supergirl seems to really, you know, bang all of us over the head with the message. It's like, you will know the message we're giving you. Whereas Black Lightning, they seem to incorporate the message uh, a little bit more fluidly. It, it isn't as, uh, you know 
uh, they don't bash you over the head with it, but you understand where they're coming from and what they're trying to do. I would say they did the Black Lightning route with this episode. Uh, it, it I thought they did it really, really well. Not, not to give away my cards and, and rate the episode already, but I really enjoyed what they did and, and how they did it and how it was presented. So I just I wanted to get everyone's take on uh, what do we think of the overall theme of the episode and the message behind it. Professor, we've sort of gone back and forth uh, about Black Lightning and Supergirl and how they handle, you know, whenever they they deal with, in essence, a real-life topic. What did you think of how Batwoman dealt with it in this episode? Oh, I thought they dealt with it uh, quite well. Uh, I, I would definitely agree with you that it comes down more on the Black Lightning side of a, a slightly more subtle take that, you know, you're, you know, partway into the episode before you really realize what is going on here uh, and uh, and making it overt. Whereas, as you say, on Supergirl, they would have just bashed you over the head for, you know, four or five consecutive episodes. Um, so, yeah, I thought that worked uh Quite well. It was it was a good way to bring that out. I think, uh, you know, it's a sort of story that, you know, you can tell now that you have, you know, a uh, a black Batwoman in the way that you couldn't have before. And I think that's that's a good thing to be doing. You know, there is uh, the danger that, you know, with Black Lightning going away, uh, you know, at the end of the season, you know, you're going to need some black representation and a place to tell these stories. Uh, you know, on the CW verse. So uh, I think it's it's good they're doing that. And, and I, overall, I like the way they did it. I thought it was, you know cleverly handled i wasn't crazy about all of it which we'll probably get into more detail when we talk about it but i thought that overall they handled it quite well yeah this is something that they definitely could not have done with kate kane as uh, batwoman at all i mean it would have been uh, the white savior trope which we've seen a lot in film and television and i there having ryan wilder there gave it a lot of authenticity uh millie what about you what did you think of uh the overall uh, message behind the storyline and how it was presented. I like it. I agree. I think they did it really well and definitely with the, the Black Lightning route. Um, I mean, there was some that, that felt like a little, you know, some of the lines felt very like, here it is, but it was, it made sense in context of the story and it, it didn't feel preachy. So I really like it. And I, I know we could have kind of seen it in the first couple of episodes and I like how they're going. Um, and as you mentioned, like with Black Lightning off the air or going off there, it's nice that there's a writing like room that can handle these kind of topics and do it in a way that um, really gets the message across in a nice way that ties into the story and just kind of makes sense. So the overall storyline is a kidnapping and the kidnapping leads to, in essence, a, uh, a woman who's behind a series of kidnappings. Her name is the Candy Lady. She lures the kids in with the candy or the comic books. And she's kidnapping these, in essence, forgotten children, these invisible kids, you know, kids that, uh, in essence, won't be missed. Uh, and uh, she is uh, technically, uh, I guess... I don't know if you would call it brainwashing them, but the, but she's uh, she's keep she's kidnap kidnapping them, and she kidnaps them and keeps them sort of locked away up to the point to where they've lost hope that they will be saved, and then she sells them off to uh, a gang, and uh, you know they they become members of uh, a gang um, and the False Face Society, um, in essence, uh, on the show. We learned that Ryan, as a kid, uh, when she was in a foster home, 
was kidnapped by the same woman. So she has a connection with uh, the kid that she's searching for. The reason why she's searching for the kid is because uh, a, a child, the younger brother of, uh, of the kid, uh, ends up getting that woman's attention. And he's like, you know, no one else is, is helping. No one else cares. Do you care, Batwoman? And, um, and Batwoman does. And so we get a little bit of Ryan's backstory in this before she had met her uh, her mom. And uh, there's a little bit of correlation with the past, with the present, with Ryan. Another thing that they tried to do with the storyline, which was interesting for me, I don't know if it was for anyone else, but they seem to keep on trying to establish not a connection, but uh, I don't know what we would call it, a correlation, uh, a, um, you know, just some sort of connective tissue between uh, Alice and Ryan. So at one point when young Ryan was, uh, you know, um, locked up in the candy lady's house, uh, you know, there was this ray of hope because there were these college kids that were that were searching for a missing child. And Ryan thought it was her, when in fact it, it was a white girl with a fair skin, blue eyes, and in fact it was it was Beth, aka Alice. So there there was that little uh, connectivity, uh, which I don't know if they're gonna at some point try to change Ryan's mind about killing Alice. But um, the, the fact that they keep on trying to, you know, share commonalities, sort of, in their backgrounds is interesting. Uh, it's something that I've noticed now, because this is the second time that they've done it. So, Millie, what's your take on what they tried to do as far as, you know, the past and the present, sort of, uh, th this trauma uh, reemerging for Ryan with the candy lady and uh, the kidnapping? I really like it. I'm always a fan when you, you love the trauma. Like the, I, <laughs> I really like the back. trauma. <laughs> yes, I like the tragic backstory. Um, <laughs> but on top of that, I, I like when they connect, like the the what we're seeing in the past or whatever that kind of storyline with that, and, and it feels authentic. Like it's not trying to force this connection. Like it makes sense that you know Ryan's had a really rough upbringing that we don't know anything about. So this is a, a fun way to fun way to see um it come out and, and for her to be able to use it as she's batwoman and help her grow in that way as well i think i really like how they're doing that so much fun the trauma is so much fun right millie well there's jelly beans involved so it has to be i know right i thought about you because that's like your whole dinner <laughs> yes <laughs> that big 60 jelly beans <laughs> Amazing. Uh, hopefully the tummy doesn't hurt after that. Professor, I don't know if you're a fan of the jelly beans, but feel free to weigh in if you want. Uh, but wh what's your take on uh, how they used the uh, traumatic uh, flashbacks to uh, you know share, us, share with us a little bit more about Ryan and her journey, as well as, had you noticed what I noticed in, in regards to how they're trying to... Um, just create some sort of connection between Ryan 
and Alice. Uh, I don't even know if I want to call it a connection, but they're trying to show us that they've had similarities in their past, uh, whether that leads in, into Ryan wanting to not necessarily kill Alice in the future. I don't know if that's where they're going, but it's something that I noticed, and I don't know if you've noticed that as well. Yeah, I noticed. I'm not crazy about it, to be honest. I think it's, um, it, 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 you know, and again, we're talking about a show in which, you know, uh, people have, you know, special abilities and run around in bulletproof, uh, you know, clothes and stuff like that. But it's sort of strange credulity that these two people who, you know, interact with each other, you know, repeatedly uh, have that sort of shared, rather rare experience in their background. Um, uh, it, it felt to me a little yeah, as I say, clumsy is is the way. Now that said, um, I think you know with the the resolution of it, the realization that there was one person who didn't give up on her, I think was very important because of who we get to meet out of that, um, and uh, and and showing her experience with that. Um, I think that they, they they played it out about as well as they could have. But yeah, the underlying conceit of you know essentially the same thing, albeit on a more limited extent, uh, to. Uh, I'm blanking on uh, Ryan. Uh, happening to Ryan. Uh, it just, yeah, it felt a little too pat to me. Okay. Yeah. I think where we're headed with this is that because Kate is no longer around and Kate, in essence, was the one that was sort of sympathetic towards Alice, I feel like they're they're doing all of this to make, at least to soften Ryan's uh, POV about Alice. And uh, it, it, this does seem a little heavy-handed, so I hope that it's not like every week we get another little piece of like, oh, you know, both of you love uh, strawberry pretzel ice cream or something. <laughs> Sorry, it's the first thing I thought in my head. That That's the thing that you're going to eat later on tonight, right, Millie? Yes. Uh, yes. Um, Off-mic conversations are coming to the mic. Uh, may I just say they picked a perfect woman to play the candy lady because you could call her smug bitch senior. Like she was just so smarmy. Like, oh my God. Like she was perfect. I actually saw her name in the uh, the credits beforehand. She's like an, a very well-known Canadian comic actress. I didn't recognize her at first, but because I'd seen her name in the credits, I was watching for her, and I realized, oh my god, a, she's aged considerably. But I uh, know she's uh, she's primarily known for uh, for comic roles up here. Oh, that's interesting. She played a villain very well. Is it Linda Cash? Linda Karsh? I can't remember her last name, but it's something like that because with a K. Yes. All right. Shout out to the Canadians. But she was she was quite transformed. I didn't I really didn't recognize her at first. But then as we were going through it, oh, my God, it must be. Yes. And that just turns out that I haven't seen her for a while. OK. Well, she did a good job. She played a evil bitch very well. <laughs> it was good. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on the candy lady? Did we like the candy lady giving us a little granny goodness vibes? Maybe No. Maybe that was a reach. All right, no other love for the candy lady. Well, I enjoyed your work. <laughs> well, I guess I guess that pretty much covered it. Well, we meet we meet someone, um, which I, I want to save completely until we actually talk about that a little bit later. So, okay, so let's move away from the flashback in, in particular, and let's talk about um, the present day stuff that's in correlation with the flashback. So, so Ryan is dealing with this trauma, she ends up going alone, not as Batwoman, but as herself, to to save the kid. 
And uh, when she gets there, she gets kidnapped. Um, she does uh, make it out alive, and then she beats the, the candy lady down and finds out where the kid is. Can I just say that I learned this from, from Twitter? So there's that take where Ryan is tied up, and she has to get the candy bowl with her feet. Apparently, according to Javicia, Ryan, um, she did it in one take, on the first take which I thought was impressive. I don't know if anybody else did. But, um, yeah, she did that all in one take. Uh, so she ends up going... To, we, we learn that the kid has been uh, uh, taken by the false face people. And uh, there's this whole showdown between the gang and Jacob, and he ends up getting kidnapped. And as the kid's initiation into the gang, he's, he's supposed to kill... Jacob. That's when Batwoman arrives. And in essence, Batwoman does her talk no jitsu, um, as Brittany would say, uh, over on other podcasts. And she talks the, 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 the child down, and the teen, and, uh, and she basically says to him, you know, I see you. And, and she does it in, in the, with using better words than I just did. But she does this whole speech, which I was, I found powerful and I found moving. I don't know if I was, maybe I was a sap during this entire episode, but I really liked her talk no jitsu and it worked for me. And, uh, I, I thought Javicia sold it. Um, professor, what did you think of, uh, of just Ryan in action and, and the conclusion of, of this storyline of her with the, with the young kid? I thought the conclusion of it was great. As I said, I found the uh, the setup of it a little forced, uh, but it did give us that payoff, and and we needed that setup uh, forced. Though I found it to get that payoff, you know, having her there, and again, it's the idea of, of representation. Having a black Batwoman uh, say to this uh, this child, and you know, and because she's gone through the same experience, and she was saved because someone believed in her someone you know did not give up on her just like she didn't give up on him um so i think that was a good payoff uh, as i said i wasn't crazy about the way they set it up but i thought the payoff of it was uh, was quite strong and uh uh it, it set up an interesting dynamic with jacob that i'm sure we'll talk about as well yes millie i want to get your take on that so jacob is there so we have the talk no jitsu we have uh um, Batwoman talking the kid down. We have Batwoman and Batwoman in essence saving Jacob. You know, she ends up using a batarang to uh, free him. And I will say Jacob had a moment of badassery, which is always great to see. We don't always see it because we never really see Jacob out there in the line of fire uh, unless he's, he's actually got a gun and it's usually pointed against Batwoman. So we never really see him fight, but we have seen him fight a couple times. And the fact that, you know, we, we see that he's agile and as the leader of the crows, he can actually kick some ass is always great to see. But outside of that, um, you know, Jacob was saved by Batwoman. Um, Jacob, uh, initially it looked like he was, uh, gonna go all crowy on the kid but batwoman is like hey calm down you know let me talk to him he saw that batwoman talk the kid down and, and in essence save the kid and and, and save the day uh there was even uh, talk from the newswoman afterwards that was doing the report of you know could there be a batwoman crows collabo in the future you know as if there was like a an album that was going to drop so do you think 
Millie, that this uh, this this moment, this this um, you know this experience uh, could possibly be what slowly starts to change Jacob's mind in regards to the new Batwoman. I do think so. I think it's very going to be like a glacier pace, but I could see him slowly warming up. Although I did like half expect him to take that moment to like rip off her mask to figure out who she was. Um, but again, I just like the drama on that. But I can see that because I think we were also kind of leading towards that, or at least I know we had talked about it last season. Like, what is this role with like the crows? There's hunting Batwoman, uh, and like, is there any potential with the team up? And I can see that kind of going down this place because it seems like he's no longer necessarily hunting her and he also has kind of like split attention trying to look for Kate so maybe like with that distraction he's like okay let's form up to Batwoman okay yeah I do think it's going to be slow Uh, I agree with that I don't think he's just all of a sudden going to be like hey let's work together Uh, or at least let's work together in in a sort of up and up kind of way Um, yeah Uh, we'll see though there's always you know we can hope in regards to Jacob finally accepting some sort of bat. Um, we'll see. So the episode starts off, if, if, let's continue on with Jacob, with Jacob, uh, you know, doing a plea, you know, on camera. Like, if anybody has any information about Kate Kane, $1 million for you. Uh, if you can provide us with... Uh, real information that leads to Kate's, um, you know, us, you know, getting Kate back, in essence. Which I thought was interesting. Uh, You know, I I keep on going back and forth on where the hell this is going. And uh, in this episode, I, I tried to put that away from my mind and just enjoy the ride. And I will say, as a mystery, it's fascinating. Because we're the viewers that, like, know more information, and, and we know that at least I'm 99.9999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999
So I'm feeling a little bit more positive about it. Professor, what about you? Are you on the Millie side of things or are you on my side? Not that I'm asking you to pick sides. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's impossible for us to look at it. You know, as you say, we know Ruby Rose wouldn't come back at gunpoint. So the only way to bring back Kate Kane is to recast her, something that they said they didn't want to do. And I think because they've made their decision that they want to have, you know, a, a black Batwoman. And I think Javicia Leslie is, has been great so far. You know, it's still very early in her run, but, you know, she seems to be enjoying herself. She's having a lot of fun and she's an interesting, complex character that I'm, I'm really enjoying. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe, you know, an end of season sort of thing where, you know, uh, you bring, uh, you know, Kate Kane comes back, but she's been horribly disfigured in an accident and, you know, they take off the, uh, the, uh, the bandages and she's someone completely different, but that just feels so soap opery that I don't think they would go that way. Um, it does seem kind of crazy to think that Kate could have survived. I mean, the plane blew up. So, I mean, uh, you know, uh, her phone was on the plane, uh, her Batwoman, uh, costume was on the plane. Um, you know, so, you know, I think it's far more likely that Sophia is lying. Uh, about, uh, you know, uh, removing uh, a cape from the plane beforehand. And, and really, all we have is Sophia's word to go on. I don't know that she's the, the most reliable of sources. So I think it's far more likely that, you know, uh, Kate is dead, but, you know, people are just having, you know, their, their hopes uh, toyed with. Yeah. I have no idea where I personally want this to go. Um, I, I don't know if I want a recast. I, I, I don't know if I want Kate not to return i do think they can't end uh, this mystery with kate you know just sending a letter saying i am i have found bruce and you know we have left you know we we will never return to gotham or something like that i, I don't think they can end it like that and and i feel like they don't want it so that kate is dead and i think the only option really is a recast but what does the recast mean? You know, will Kate come back? Will she want the cowl? Or will she come back and be so, in essence, maybe traumatized by what happened that she no longer wants to wear the cowl and she serves as a mentor role? I mean, how much can you really be a mentor if, if, if you've, um, you know, she wasn't really the bat for that long. But, uh, you know, she ends up just being a character that's sort of in the periphery. Maybe she joins the Crows or something. I don't know. I just, I, I have no idea where they're going with this. But uh, I, I don't think they're going to kill Kate. Um, I, I don't think we're going to find that she's dead. But I wonder, like, what well, could the, they the possibly Well, the showrunner has said that she's cautious about the, uh, the killing the gays. Uh, yeah, trope. it is so a trope. I think that's one reason why they wouldn't kill her. And the but CW yeah, does it a lot. If, if they are going to bring her back, they have to recast. Yeah, one hundred percent. Either that, or it's you know just the Rachel Scarston um, loophole that uh, the professor brought up uh, when we were recasting Kate Kane many, many, many moons ago. All right. Uh, so okay. So Jacob did that. Um, and in this episode, uh, you know, in relation to the Kate mystery, we did have an interesting pair up. We had Alice and Sophie. Now we sort of saw the door open for that in the previous episode when they had their excellent adventure on the Isle of Coriana. But in this episode, we saw them in essence working together to find a man named Ocean. No last name, because they don't do last names on Coriana. I know you're not the biggest fan. Yes, I'm talking to you, Millie. 
you aren't the biggest fan of Sophie, but what did you think of Sophie and Alice paired together? Because for some reason, social media actually was kind of digging it. I have to agree. I, I kind of, I did dig it. I like the dynamic that it brought out. Um, and I don't know if that's kind of was intentional or, you know, that was just like Rachel being like great at her job and, and all the lines that she was giving was just like super quippy and all, all aimed at Sophie. So I really like that. I think that it is a good pairing because they both have um, a lot of Kate baggage and I like how Alice is there to, to call Sophie out on it. And I think that's kind of what she needs because as much as I don't like her, I do think that like she hasn't had a lot of outlet to process. I mean, she's been through a lot. Um, and I think like this is a good way for her to start processing everything that's gone on with, with her coming out and her divorce and with Kate and kind of getting at, past that hump. I do hope that it kind of helps move on and maybe open up some more storylines with Sophie. Yeah, all the shade that she threw at uh, Sophie was spectacular. Um, I could probably watch an, an episode of Alice just trying things. You know, she eats a baguette. She licks a pepper. She eats a leaf. Like, all of it was just incredible character work from Rachel Scarston. I, I really enjoyed all of that. Uh, I thought that was fun. Um, what's interesting about this episode, um, and I'm going to tiptoe into something that we see later on, but I will have a separate question about that. So hold off, hold off on, on that, but I'll, so I'll just slightly tiptoe into it. I've always seen Alice as like asexual. Like I've never really seen her as someone to be quite honest with asexuality, just because we've never seen her pine after anyone. We've never really seen her romantically interested in anyone. She's been very, um, business focus, like focused on what she's trying to do, what she, what her plans are and the chaos and all that kind of stuff. This was really the first episode in which I saw more, a little of sexuality with Alice and, um, and a lot of it was, well, a little bit of it was with Sophie. A little bit was maybe with something later on, which I will have a question about a little bit later. But I saw that with Sophie. Like, she was really all up in Sophie's face. And there was a moment where I was like, I don't think they're going to go there. But I was like, are we finally going to get to know a little bit more about Alice in that kind of way? And it was interesting. Um, I don't know if it was just Rachel playing Alice in that sort of way, maybe even as a way to sort of mindfuck Sophie. But it was it was an interesting choice. Um, Professor, your thoughts on Alice and Sophie? Um, I, I don't see any real, you know, vibe there. I think if she was doing it, uh, I think it, it it would be argued that she was doing it to to mess with, uh, with Sophie. Um, but I don't think, you know, honestly, I think if we were to go back and, and watch, uh, you know, uh, Alice as uh, as Rachel has played her, uh, you know, whether she's, you know, talking to uh, Kate or whether she's talking to Mary or whether she's talking to Jacob, I think that's just the way she plays it. That's, uh, you know, that sort of language, slightly loose, uh, you know, too cool for school. I'm so over this. Uh, approach. Uh, so yeah, I didn't really see anything uh, there that that would argue anything more than that. Um, having said that, you know, I'm I'm all on board for a uh, a recasted version of The Odd Couple, starring Sophie and uh, um, and Rachel. I think uh, they they were really good together in those scenes. It was fantastic. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it looks like it's short-lived. Uh, I was hoping that they would stretch this out a little bit. Uh, just because they they were an interesting pairing. It, it's a pairing that we hadn't seen at all last season. And to sort of force them together, especially because they had a, a common goal. Although Alice ended up revealing that, that her goal at the end of it all, which I don't really know if I fully believe, um, is that she wants to kill Kate. I don't know if I buy that. Do Do we buy this? That Alice's goal is to find Kate just to kill her? Even though she says it with such bravado? Uh, I don't see any reason to doubt her, but I think it's something that will probably change over the course of the season. Okay. Millie, do you co-sign? I can see it. I feel like it's in her mind she's been so set on it, but I think deep down like she's never going to kill Kate. Okay. All right. I agree. I, like, I don't think she's going to kill her. Um, yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Stay tuned. You never really know what to expect when it comes to Alice. Um, I just before we move away, I, I really enjoyed also the um, the reveal with um, Luke when he shows up because in essence he was like, "What the hell is going on?" I feel like his reaction was the audience reaction of just seeing these two together. It was um, kind of spectacular. Speaking of not maybe not an odd couple, but uh, a, a new. Uh, a new set of roomies. Uh, we have Mary, who we learn has been slowly moving into Kate's apartment above the bar, and she gives the ex- the excuse that you know, well, you know, I'm the manager and the commute and this, that, or the other. She learns that uh, Ryan sleeps in her van, even though uh, Mary is a fan of vans. She's not that much of a fan, you know, that she's like, you know, you can't be sleeping here. You know, move in with me. And Ryan ends up accepting. Uh, what do we think of the fact that... Well, there's two things that I want to talk about here. Number one, the fact that uh, Mary and Ryan are going to be roomies. But the other thing that I really want to discuss is uh, the storyline that Mary had in this episode. Which, in essence, is a storyline about hope. Because we've seen Mary throughout the past couple of episodes in essence, come to the realization or come to the acceptance that Kate could be dead. And everyone around her, from Jacob to Sophie to Luke, you know, basically are like, you know, she's not dead. I have hope. You know, I've never lost hope. She's out there in regards to Kate. And this was the episode where it seems as if Mary has been given hope or she's allowing herself to hope because Ryan sort of, you know, talks about like, you know, you keep on, you know, you're, you keep on surrounding yourself with, with her stuff. And, and uh, she makes that, um, that remark. And uh, by the end of it, Mary is like, you know, maybe I can have a little hope. Millie, what did you think of uh, Ryan and Mary together? And what did you think of Mary's storyline throughout this episode? I really enjoy the Ryan Mary dynamic. Um, and I like how that's the one that we get to explore in it. And they're obviously going to become really close. Well, you know, that's what you hope when they're roommates. Um, and I, I like that there's somebody on the, the Scooby team that's opened up to Ryan. And I think that, you know, it's always fun to see Mary be Mary. Um, I love when Ryan's like, you know, <laughs> you can finish taking your Instagram selfie, but it's not that glamorous as you're putting it. Um, so I like that kind of little bit of shade there. In terms of like Mary's storyline, it makes sense because it's like grief is difficult and I like how we're seeing her kind of go back and forth because that's really realistic. Um, with everything that she's been through, it makes sense that she was immediately shut down to no hope and then it comes back. So she's being surrounded by 
with so many people that do have hope. Um, and, and it's interesting as well because I think it puts back on track with everybody. And I don't like how her and Luke aren't seeing eye to eye. So hopefully they can come back and be friends again soon. Yeah, I, I could co-sign with that. Professor, what about you? What did you think of Mary this episode? Uh, I thought she was good. I thought in addition to, you know, dealing with her having to do the grieving, I think just having her there in the van driving alongside Ryan um, allows, you know, there to be uh, Mary there as the viewpoint character. You know, so, so you know, there there is a sense that we kind of forgotten about uh, Mary as being the spoiled princess of season one. Uh, but when she's doing things like talking about, oh, I love these vans, and then she realizes Ryan lives in the van, um, you know, uh, even as she's, you know, snapping a selfie of herself in the van. Uh, I think it gives, uh, you know, uh, Mary that chance to realize, you know, sort of, you know, a, you know, cliched how the other half lives. Um, and, uh, you know, so that sort of sets them up for the, uh, uh, the, uh, the inviting them in. Although I did love that, you know, Mary's uh, first thing that she did when uh, Ryan moved in was to steal her jacket. That was such a Mary thing to do. Yes. Yeah. She looked good on her though. I have to say she was absolutely, she was absolutely right. She looked fabulous in that jacket. Well, there you go. Yeah, she did. I, I co-signed with that. Uh, yeah, I did like the little moment in the van where Mary's privilege was checked. Because, uh, I, I mean, it, it was a nice little moment. And, and um, I, I think Ryan uh, will be someone that will be able to do that to, to not only Mary, but to Luke as well at, at some point. Um, yeah, which, you know, I, I think that's going to open their eyes a little bit more which uh, about what's going on in Gotham and that sort of thing, which I think is really nice. Okay, so, okay, let's talk about Alice's flashback, because I, I, I thought this was interesting. So, I feel like we've all been under the impression that Alice went batshit cuckoo after her encounter with the Caterpillar. Like, that she left the Caterpillar. We do know that she had sort of adventures in Coriana and that sort of thing. But, I don't know, maybe it, maybe it was just me. But I always assumed that it was what the Caterpillar did that really forced Alice to kind of spiral and become the Alice that we know. But... Uh, that we got a little bit of a flashback. So that, that maybe proves that differently. So throughout this episode, we learned that um, Alice was tasked by Sophia to find a man named Ocean, no last name, and that she needs to kill Ocean. And, and that's how Kate will be returned to uh, Alice. So she didn't tell the killing part to, to Sophie, which was a nice little moment for them. As well. So they track him down, but he's not there. They find somebody else. We will talk about her in a moment. And uh, yeah, so they, they have no leads. Alice returns to the scene of the crime a little bit later. She ends up finding a hotel key card, a note of like when there's going to be a drop, and a photo. Now, I will say, at the start of the episode, we had a little bit of Vesper uh, giving us the lowdown on what's going down in Gotham. And there's this brand new drug, Snakebite, that um, is ravaging the city. 
it appears as if this ocean man was creating the snake bite and or or you know making more snake bites and that sort of thing so he's involved with that um and we see his face and there's a flashback it appears as if Alice has met him before on Coriana although she doesn't remember it and she's like what does it mean What's going on? I will say that they did do the googly eyes at each other. And something that the professor always says, when you have two pretty people that are age appropriate, sparks fly, I guess, on the CW. So there's not really much to go at here. So this is just pure speculation based off of what we've seen. But what do we think it means? Does this mean that maybe we will get elements of the comic and uh, the professor can give us a little bit more information on that. But I believe in the comics, um, Sophia and her people are the ones that brainwash Alice or something like that and turn her into Alice. So are we going to get some of that maybe with, you know, potentially a, a flashback type of thing with Alice on Coriana? Question mark? Question mark? I don't know. Professor since I brought you up. Um, what did you think of just, it was a teeny tiny little thing, but do you think this is going to open the door to us maybe unlocking how Alice became Alice even more than what we knew before? Yeah, I think so. And, and I think, you know, last season, like you, I, I sort of assumed it was, you know, her reacting to the caterpillar. Um, but yeah, it does seem that way. And, and there was, you know, a little reference to that almost because Sophia, uh, you know, when she brought Alice back to the island, said, you know, and we found you in that yacht, uh, you know, and brought her to the island and she was the one who escaped. Um, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I do think it's possible, you know, because at some point Alice had developed all of her murderous skills, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, that, you know, has not really been referred to as much. So it, it's possible she received some sort of training. My, my fear is that, you know, it's becoming sort of like an Oliver Queen thing that we're going to keep getting these flashbacks every season to what she was doing for that one year of her life. Um, at least not doing it in black and white. But yes. uh, no, I did find it interesting. The thing that, that bugged me about it was that assuming that Ocean is the drug lord and this was his drug den, who puts a picture of themselves inside the front door of their drug den? I mean, someone I mean, who's it's confident. It's egotistic as hell to begin with. Well, there's that. Someone who's confident in their drug game. I guess so, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, uh, part of branding, so you know you're getting the very best. Exactly. So, all right, Professor, two pretty people. They share the googly eyes when they first meet. Does that mean that they were romantical on Coriana? Oh, I think they almost have to have been um, just because, again, the way Rachel played it, you know, that uh, both times, you know, both. And it was funny, like when they did the flashbacks, you know, I was saying, is that Rachel? I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> Her hair was so sufficiently different. But I think, you know, she had that immediate flush of, oh, my gosh, he's, he's an age appropriate, you know, hunk on a CW verse show. We know where this is going to go. But then having her have that staggered effect, uh, you know, I think indicates that again, and, you know, probably, you know, maybe she did, you know, fall for this ocean guy. We know that Sophia has uh, an affection for Alice bordering on obsession. Uh, maybe Sophia didn't like that and banished ocean or something like that. And, you know, they, they wiped Alice's mind in order to keep her from realizing that. I don't know. But again, I think we've talked a lot about, you know, redemption arcs for Alice. And I think, you know, if she finds that she was manipulated to become this way, then it gives her a route for at least partial uh, redemption. 
Yeah. I wonder if they can do unbreakable. Well, having said that, I, I hate the idea that, you know, you only get redemption through love. Come on. Oh, God. I wonder if they can de-brainwash her. Like, would they be able to, like, deprogram her? And, and then... I don't know. It is a comic I book show, I, I think I think we would lose a lot of the fun of Alice if she was like that. I think she could become, you know, I, I, I don't see her ever becoming good, but I could see her becoming sort of a chaotic neutral character rather than, you know, evil. Chaotic, chaotic. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. From the power of love, uh, from the power of, of the love of the ocean, she will uh, realize her true potential, maybe. But if if that is true, if if what we're saying is true, if they were romantical on the Isle of Coriana, what a total mindfuck that uh, Sophia, you know, because Alice, I guess, is brainwashed or she's been reprogrammed, whatever you want to call it, because she can't remember the guy. Could you imagine, like, Sophia sending her to kill the guy that she loved? Like, that's just, that's sick and twisted. Right, Millie? Is, that's the kind of sick and, twi- sick and twisted you like, Millie, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, I, I had a feeling you, you would enjoy that. You enjoy the trauma. That's, <laughs> yeah. So your take on what ocean could mean to Alice Oh yeah, like 100% went the, there was something going on and then Sophia didn't like it, brainwashed her. Um, And that's like at that moment when I was like, oh, she's definitely like playing Alice. So I was like, I, now I'm like 80% sure she's lying about Kate. And this is a whole thing just to like mess with Alice and get her to to kill her once love or something like that. Um, I can definitely see that being like her, her plan. Mm -hmm. I do wonder if they would give Ocean, if they do... If they go this way, and this is way too early to tell, because we don't even know how long Ocean is going to be alive. Like, he could die in the next episode. But if this is a character that we will be seeing, like, clearly he's into some shady stuff. Uh, it, I would assume that they would probably try to write a redemption arc for him. I don't know how they would be able to do that with him creating the what the most addictive, deadly fear and fantasy drug that's in um that's in Gotham. I guess we're going to have to wait and see. So, uh, all right. So we're introduced to not one, but two brand new characters in this episode. And the second one, uh, we actually saw twice. We saw in the flashbacks and in the present day. We actually heard of her in uh, the previous episode, but now we got to see Ryan's ex. So in the flashback, we are introduced to uh, another child at the foster home the type of child that sneaks in and out through windows and that sort of thing. And uh, she makes a deal with Ryan. You know, you keep on opening the window, I got your back. And uh, she does, actually, because she's the one that ends up finding Ryan, you know, kidnapped by the cookie lady and ends up uh, saving the day and saving Ryan from, not the cookie lady, the, the candy lady, um, and, and, and ends up saving Ryan from the candy lady. And uh, we had heard a little bit about their breakup. Apparently, Ryan did time for her. And that's, in essence, why they broke up. Um, Yeah. And so when uh, Alice and Sophie break into Ocean's place, there's another person there. There's a bit of a struggle. And it's it's Angelique. It's this girl from it, the girl from the past, Ryan's ex. Ryan tries to contact her to find out where the candy lady lives, but she gets a wrong number text back. Later on, apparently, she ends up texting her back that it is her. 
and they have a conversation, and in essence, Ryan is like, I miss you. And that's when I'm like, ugh. I don't know if anybody else was like, ugh. But uh, there was a little line earlier with uh, with um, Mary, who was like, oh yeah, you know, I know about crazy lesbian drama. And and she was like, I'm proud of you for not being into the drama. But it looks like she might be into the drama. Millie, do we like Angelique? She's clearly involved in some shady stuff. So is she just going to be drama for Ryan? I think she is. I, I saw her in at the end. I was like, oh, goodness. It's going to be like another Sophie thing. <laughs> I'm not going to be a fan of it. Um, and I mean, we haven't really seen much, but what we've seen of Angelique thus far is interesting. Um, I think it was also interesting when we learned last episode of Zaz. It seems like, it, you know, Ryan went to jail because of Angelique, but it also sounds like she did something to Angelique that, like, she did her dirty. So I was kind of curious how that kind of ended. Oh, okay. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Professor... What do we think about Angelique? Uh, are we intrigued by her? Do we think Ryan is going to be in a whole lot of trouble because of Angelique? Clearly, it looks like they're on opposite sides of the law with, you know, Batwoman fighting for the people, wanting to save the people. And Angelique, I mean, I don't know if she's part of the false. Uh, Face Society, I don't know if she's a part of Sophia's people, but she's clearly involved in some super shady stuff. So, um, yeah. Uh, what, what do you think is, is going to happen here, and what are your thoughts on just Angelique, period? Well, she's definitely bad news. I think, uh, you know, she's going to be, uh, you know, a, a definite vulnerability uh, for, for Ryan. And part of that is, you know, uh, they always say, you know, if you're a recovering alcoholic or you're a criminal who's trying to go straight, uh, you don't fall back into, you know, the people you used to hang out with, or you'll go back down that path again. And I think that's going to be a real danger for her. Uh, one thing that I, now that's it, I did, I really liked young Angelique. I thought she was great. I thought that, you know, the fact that, you know, the sort of, you know, the tough kid who actually, you know, uh, you know, does care for, uh, Ryan and was willing to get herself captured in order to save her. Uh, it didn't entirely work out his plan, but, uh, you know, I still like that. And I think, you know, there's an interesting parallel here because, you know, if you're talking about the uh, the relationship between uh, uh, Kate and Sophie, well, Sophie betrayed Kate. And uh, and that was the uh, the origin of that, whereas this is someone who actually stood up and uh, uh, and was there for Ryan, you know, in her darkest time. Um, so I think that will be a real vulnerability, the sense of uh, of of owing something uh, that Ryan has uh, for her. So. Yeah, I definitely think we're going to see more of her, and it's going to be a real problem for her going forward. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, Angelique is going to be trouble, and I'm enjoying Ryan, so I don't, I'm not really that excited for trouble to find her. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess we're going to have to wait and see what happens. But clearly, Angelique is up to some, some bad, bad stuff. All right, I, I guess we covered it all. So now it is time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Let's start off with Millie. Who's your MVP and why? I have to go with a probably not surprising choice, but Alice as my MVP. Um, I just love the 
like the fun nature that we saw in the dynamic of Sophie. Um, and I think I really just like giving to her with my people. And <laughs> as a response to uh, Sophie asking if she like found the rat poison. So um, I'll have to give it to Alice this week. All right. Good choice with Alice. Professor, what about you? Who's your MVP? Uh, I'll give it to uh, to Ryan, both young Ryan and uh, and older Ryan. As I said, uh, you know, I wasn't entirely crazy about the whole captured and being held in an attic uh, routine. Uh, you know, she could probably have smashed that window just by using the uh, the jar of jelly beans. Um, but uh, it did set up that great scene at the end. And, you know, uh, having Batwoman there, uh, you know, being able to reach out to the child and save him. Basically, you know, because if she hadn't been there or if it had been a different Batwoman, odds are he would have pulled the trigger and his life would have been, you know, ruined forever. He would have been he would have become what they said he was going to become. Uh, and because she'd gone through that, because someone believed in her and saved her, she was able to do that for someone else, which I think was really nice. And, and as I say, I thought she played that scene really, really well. I was very impressed. Great choices. I'm going to pick an unconventional choice and I'm going to actually give it to the candy lady. Um, I just liked her. I, I felt like she did a fantastic job as a villain. She was smarmy. She was gross. She was uh, nefarious. And the fact that she's a comedic actress from Canada, I mean, it's, it's, uh, she did a fantastic job for me. I despised her in, in the most spectacular way. And I was waiting for her comeuppance and the fact that she got it twice once uh, with uh, and young Angelique and, and young Ryan, and the second time with adult Ryan beating her ass to the ground. I mean, justice. I was here for it. All right, so now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate the, this episode based on a... Well, I can't even talk. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 bat signals? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the Batcave. So let's start off with the professor. How would you rate this episode? You know, it was a, an enjoyable episode. Um, I, I've said, you know, my, my concerns about it earlier, uh, but I will give it an eight. I think it was still very enjoyable. Millie, what about you? I'll have to give it an 8.5. Um, I really liked the message that it was, you know, trying to get across. I think they did it um, well, opposed to, you know, other attempts and other shows. So I, I really like that, and I think it fits in with, with the characters, and we're getting a lot of backstory and everything that's slowly developing. So an 8.5 overall. All right, we have an 8 and an 8.5. We're going to keep on with the upward trajectory. I'm going to give it a 9. I really liked it. I, I thought the messaging was really well done. It was subtle, but it was there. I I was incredibly moved by Ryan's speech, or talk no jitsu, at the end of the episode. Uh, I thought Javicia just handled it really well, and, and, and it turned into a powerful moment for Batwoman the character as well as the show. The Sophie-Alice pairing was hella interesting and hella fun throughout this episode, so so that was also a bit of an enjoyable moment for me. And, uh, and Mary and Ryan were really good together. Like, Mary might not have her sister, but she certainly is finding a sisterhood with Ryan, and I like that a lot as well. So um, on that note... Join us next time for a brand new installment of the Gotham City Gazette. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, 
Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for the Gotham City Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Millie Wood. Good night, listeners. If you want to follow along, you can find me on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. And the professor. Good night, Gotham. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Gotham City Gazette every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio archives. Good night.